here smiling. Welcome to. What are you guys talking about? What are you guys talking about? There we go. I finally got Uncle Eddie smiling. Like, welcome back to another episode of What Are You Guys Talking About? We did not end up doing X Machina. <laughs> I knew, I knew it. But to be fair, it was my fault. It was this his time. choice. It was his choice. It was my so, choice. So I told him we could do X Machina, and, and we're going to get this is getting way too bigged up now because X Machina is good. <laughs> yeah, but it's not that we're, good. You know, like, we're building, we're building it's, this. It's not shit like up, the like, epitome of sci-fi, but it follows. We're teasing it. Like, listen, if I, I could set out because we're going through a lot of the process of having to do mission statements and tell people what is it that you guys want to do, and I'm, you know, because I'm basically leading the ship as it would be managing director uh -huh. um it, you have to kind of understand our dream is to make these films that's what we're aiming to do we want to make a hereditary we want to make a midsummer we are talking that kind of budget for us that is for us the end goal we want to you know we know we're not going to do our first film that way although i do want to talk about ari aster this was his first feature that he got 10 million from a24 to do but we're going to talk about why a little bit along yeah. the way but our vision, LVP's vision, is to make him. We don't really have, I would say, a specific genre. I always lean towards horror because it's what I know how to write. Ed has some really good action ideas that we've looked at. We also do a little bit of comedy. You know, we don't per se want to pigeonhole LVP into like this is what we're going to have to do. But the type of film we're going to make is an independent studio film. We want to get that, you know, investors that come in and say, yes, we'll give you five million. And you make that film you've been talking about. And we're going to get there, guys. We're doing a lot of stuff in the woodwork right now to try to get people ready and get people geared up to understand that we are completely capable of doing something like that. So with that in mind, that is why we are picking Hereditary today, because it really does, from an independent filmmaker standpoint, it bolsters onto Midsummer just perfectly. I would love people to watch these two films if you can stand them, because some people hate both of these films with a passion. But if you can stand these films, watch both of them and compare because you're you're literally talking about an independent filmmaker on the rise who has made two films and literally like three months of each other, like a very short timeline between the two. And both of them end up doing well. Hereditary doing much better than Midsummer, but both both, you know, both putting a profit. And, and I'm just excited to see what this guy's going to do next. Like, I'm just yes. I'm like, yeah, God, that's, that's, this that's this will be my PTA. Well. This will be the one everybody's like, oh, he's not that good. I'll be like, yeah, but I love him. OK, like he's yeah, he's yeah. amazing. Like, and I really do. And we're going to talk about today why I am so in love with his films and his style. But before we get to everything, let's talk about how you can get a hold of us. So we have the webpage, www.lovevictoriaproductions.com. Again, it's in this in the space of a revamp, but there's lots of things you can find on there, including this podcast and our Dirty 20 videos and everything else in the woodwork. You can also catch the podcast if you're looking for where can I find this on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts. It's not on Player FM, but I'll make sure it is in the next week or two. Okay, it's on Podbean, it's on anything else you can Spotify. think of, Spotify, all the major ones that I can think of. As I said, I just noticed it wasn't on Player FM, so I'm going to put it on there because I listen to Player FM for a ton of stuff. And it's really good to kind of, the thing I like about Player FM, just to give them a little bit of a shout out, is it lets you download like the most recent podcasts and hold them. I'm sure there's a ton of others that do this well. But it was the first app I had that did that. So mm. that is the one I used to take to the gym with me so I could listen to... Um, strong was it violent violent scenes and strong language strong language and violent scenes podcast oh, yeah, yeah. by andy stewart and um and mitch bain shout out to you guys love you guys um but i listen to a lot more you know i listen to script notes i listen to i'm um, still doing the slash film cast which is awesome i love those guys so point being there's a lot of places to get a hold of us you can also reach out to us on social media you know, Facebook, you have Ed's page, you have Jason Shiro, my page, you also have Love Victoria page. I just fixed the email to that. It was going to our, we had an old email address from, it was from the States and I paid for it. I kind of want a discount. And then the price jacked up four times what it was before. These are, these are welcome to the world of being a managing director of a tiny company. And I had to move us because I wasn't going to pay that much money for an email address. So unfortunately, like if you've been clicking on that and trying to send this stuff on the, on the front, on the Love Victoria page on Facebook, it won't have reached me. Please, please, please try again. It's now got the correct email address. will go straight to me. And um, if you got a project or something you want to do. People do send me projects. I had a guy from India uh, last week trying to sell me on a couple of his scripts, which some which were good, but had absolutely no funding. I can try to find you funding. I'm not afraid of that, but I need more than just, uh, can you go find me money? That's just not... Um, kind of how it works just so you know hmm. <laughs> so anyways there's a lot of people who think that that is how it when i first fact, especially when i first started doing this because just to give you background like you know most of the people i started working with in the early part of my filmmaking career so just three years ago 
knew me first, obviously, as someone who constantly went to Fright Fest and was really excited about film. And they knew I was, you know, I think there was a perception that I was really rich. Um, I'm not. I'm glad that people thought I was. Like, cool means I dress well, at least. Um, but I'm not really rich. Like, I, I make a decent salary. I, I you know, I'm not going to be one of those people that says I'm poor either. Because that's, you know, my dad did that as a millionaire for years and it just made me laugh. So millionaires aren't poor, dad. Um, you know, but what I would say is people just assumed that when they got me onto a project in those early days that they'd also have my money. And one of the things you have to learn about me is I'm never going to give you my money. The two people that get my money are my wife and my daughter. And that's about it right now because that's about all we have. Anyways. Oh, by the way, happy anniversary. That's right. 11 years, baby. Woo! That's right. Woo! Playing the long game. Uh, playing the long yeah, game. playing the long game. And we, we felt so bad about this one because we looked at each other. It's COVID, right? So, like, I had not completely forgotten. I had remembered a couple days ahead of time and it was like, Oh, Bex, we got our anniversary coming up. She's like, yeah. I'm not buying you anything. Do you want to buy me something? And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, I haven't even thought of it. I, you know, I almost missed my mother's birthday over all this, which was on the 5th of mm. August. And like, it's just because of the situation we're in. So I did get her flowers. I had to get her something. It's just me. And she was a bit miffed that I got her something. But then the flowers were pretty. So she she relented. But yeah, hey. 11 years together, like love of my life and the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, I have... Such a wonderful family. I was watching Mad Men today, and Duck Phillips, who's one of the characters on that, talks to Pete Campbell about how a family is the wellspring of your confidence. If you ever wanted to know why I'm so excited about everything, a lot of that comes from the fact that I have a family that loves me and backs me very much and um, kind of puts up with my Aww. craziness. So, you know, Ed, Ed's kind of the, the defunct extra member of that now. We kind of added him into the family after he moved I'm back. Like the, I'm, I'm, I'm like the growth on the side. Yeah, yeah, but such a beautiful growth, <laughs> you know? So my best man friend, as it would be. So, so Man friend. Man friend. Sorry, and we got horribly distracted there. So on Twitter, you can find us on Ananaski Prod or Mouth La Victoria, uh, LinkedIn. Same kind of deal. You can find us all there. And what else? Oh, Instagram, because we have the cool names on Instagram. We have Anano LVP or Jazzy J. Shiro. So those are all the ways to get a hold of us. And you can you know talk to me, wish me a happy anniversary or anything else you'd like to say. Um, we generally do like talking, if you haven't noticed. So uh, I do get tired of just talking to Ed all the time. Not because he's bad conversation. But um, guys, like, by all means, please chip in. If you loved Midsummer, if you loved Hereditary, if you think they sucked, I have, we have yet really to be trolled. I'm, I'd love, I'm, I'd love, I'd love to have a conversation with someone who hated. That's me. what I mean. I just, just one troll, guys, just one. Like, you know, like we've got on, on Dirty Twenty, we've got like eighty-one subscribers. We do have like the people who are like, do you want to see boobs? And it's like, I don't really think that relates to dice rolling. I mean, I do want to see yeah. boobs, but not, not, not when I'm watching D and D. You know, like it's funny. I had the, I had someone tell me that they didn't like us, and I was like, oh, you didn't like us? What's wrong? That's with you? good I, though. I had one of those reactions. Yeah, no, but I love those kind of conversations because then you can get to the bottom of it. Like as I said, the, yeah. So starting with first impressions of Hereditary. All right, because yeah. I'll, I'll go first on this one because I've told you the story before, Ed. So I saw mm -hmm. Hereditary in the movie theaters. Okay. And it was actually the worst time I've watched it because I've watched it four times now, thanks to you. Um, yeah. But it was the worst time I watched it. Not because I disliked the film. I really, really liked the film. But at the end of the film in the cinema, there were enough people that didn't like the film that they laughed at the really horrific mm -hmm. ending. Not because they were trying to be jerks, but because they just weren't engaged. Like, I got it. Yeah. They were... Yeah. younger they were having fun and it was a horror movie and this is not a horror movie just to put it out there this is not one for like a casual saturday night horror movie okay this isn't yeah. a freddy krueger this is a rosemary's baby or an omen this is going to drag you in and it wants you to get sad it wants you to get scared it doesn't really want you to laugh so that scene at the end which i can't talk about but there is a big climax some dude laughed the whole way through it. And it just... I could see how that would ruin it. <laughs> and so then it was twice ruined because then I get in the car with my wife. And keep in mind, we have a kid. So any of you people that don't have parents living nearby and have a kid, like, we don't get out much. You know what I mean? Like, it's much easier to watch something at home than it is in the movie theater. So if I take my wife to the movies because she goes, like, once every four months or once every six months, it damn well better be good. Well, she hated the film because it was way too slow mm. for her. It is a slow film, mm. just like Midsummer. It's two plus hours, and he's he yeah. wants you to feel. He wants you to be with him. Like 
And if you don't go for those types of films, which lots of people don't, then this will be horrible to you. But I would have never picked up on any of that had my wife not. I mean, we had a fight in the car, like a bad fight, but it was like, come on. Yeah, typical thing. Do you know what I mean? I was like, how do you have to hate this movie, man? It was like, it was like awesome. And she's like, well, I'm allowed not to like the film. I'm like, no, you're not, man. That was a good film. You know, I'm like, I've had that argument so many times oh, man, you know, so so that's how it went down. And, and, and second, third and fourth viewing were all done from home. It's been on Netflix for quite a while. So if you haven't watched this yet, you like I want to go see it. it's on Netflix. It was on Prime before it was on Netflix. So that's I think the first time I watched it uh, like properly. I watched it on Prime and it's so much better at home anyway. It's better to to mm. get all the ambiance and the and the sounds and everything. But first impressions. OK, if you like Rosemary's mm. Baby. This is your film. It has that same. Mm. What I remember about watching Rosemary's Baby as a kid, that's right. I watched it like seven years old because that's how obsessed I was with horror when I was a kid. But at seven years old, my mom said, Rosemary's Baby is really scary. You should watch that. So I watched it, I think, with my sister because I always had to watch with an adult because there's sex and stuff like that. They tell me when to close my eyes. But, you know, watched it and then was like kind of disappointed by the whole thing. And my sister was like, well, what was wrong with it? I said, man, nothing happens. And she's like, that's the whole point. Mm. Like, Mm. it all goes on. It's all supposed to be like, it's what we would call Ari Aster, and I think this is why I like him so much, because I, I tend to like to write the same way. Ari Aster is a master of fantastic realism with a capital R on the realism. Like, he wants you to feel like the, the places he creates are possible and are, are real. And that's why I think he's so scary, because he puts such character and such human elements into what he does that it becomes scary if you grasp onto those things. So, you know, Midsummer we talked about as a breakup film that's kind of got the horror element going through it as they go into Sweden and do their thing. This is a family tragedy. So it's a drama. It's a, it, it's, it's, he talks about this incessantly about this film that, you know, it's written, the first half of it alone is written solely as a family tragedy. Kind of the loss of the uh, one and then there's a loss of another that you'll have to, you know, no spoilers who it is, but, you know, there's things that are going to happen in that first half. So... Those are my first impressions. If you like character-driven, heavy storyline, you know, plotting, but definitely builds for a, a wonderful climax. Similar to Kill List, that's, that, that kind of climax was Kill List of, of style. It really just comes out of nowhere and then really hits you over the head. Then you're going to love this film. If you want something fast, entertaining, or light, avoid, 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 like the plague. Ed, your turn. Sorry. That, that only took seven minutes. <laughs> Um, yeah, this one, <clears throat> I was trying to think if I was glad that I watched Midsummer first or not, um, because they are very different films and yet there's obviously something connecting them. Mm. Um, I think I liked the kind of the, the law of Midsummer more. I think that it was, it was kind of doled out in a slightly better way. Not not necessarily better, but a slightly more entertaining way. And uh, an understandable uh, way. I mean, I only know all about yeah. the lore because I've watched it four times now. And so the things right, I didn't right, understand, right. I went back and was like, well, what's going on here? And we can talk about that. Mm. Um, but mm. I completely get you. Yeah, I'm g- probably going to make an idiot out of myself uh, today because there's a lot of stuff that I didn't I didn't really get. I literally just finished watching it about half an hour. No, that, that's okay. Um, but, uh, you know, I, it, it, it's a slow burn. It's a very, very slow burn. And about an hour in, I was like, mm, I don't know if I'm enjoying this. And then I caught myself really enjoying it. As, as it kind of went into the second hour and things started to s- slowly ramp up Spiral, again. We, we yeah. Talked, yeah, we talked a lot about this during midsummer. I was re-listening to that um, just recently. And, uh, you know, you talked about um, just building, the building of tension and how good he is at it and i think that this is really 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 well done um again for me um it's more of a i don't want to say uh better second film that he's that he's done because again they're different but but i definitely enjoyed midsummer to a level that I didn't quite connect with with Hereditary. And and I was, you know, now we're moving. So we're going to start doing spoilers now, guys. Um, but I was going to ask you about this because you obviously watched them in the opposite order that I had seen them. But I am always more favorable to Midsummer because I think for camera porn people and like aesthetically, yeah. like visually, it's the better of the two films. 
I'm really torn though because I was someone who loved, I mean, loved the story from Hereditary because it's so mm. well pieced together. It's why I went back through it to kind of piece together all the things that come about to the bringing up of, you know, uh, of uh, 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 I can't remember his name now. Palaemon, I think it is. The demon that's resurrected. Yes. And I mean, and it's complicated. So part of what I would say as a detractor to this, as a reminder and a warning to indie people, okay? Indie filmmakers, because that's why we run the show, right? The whole idea is, what are you catching? What do you think as an indie filmmaker is good or bad about this? Well, the thing I think that is bad that doesn't work for the vast majority of indie filmmakers, and it worked for Ari Aster for special reasons, and we'll talk about that, about who he is and where he comes from. But for most filmmakers, if you are that vague and that off color in your movies, people will not watch them. Okay, I, mm -hmm. you know, I, it's it's number one complaint when you watch a ton of horror films are the ones that make no sense. And I have been guilty in my early films. You know, as I said, the complaints about Dandelions were that it went and it wasn't exactly clear. And the problem is you'll have it as a filmmaker in your head. You'll be like, no, 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 no. It doesn't have to be clear because right. I'm I'm putting this in layers yeah. and I'm doing this. And the problem is you're you're the filmmaker trying to get the audience to go right you have to cater for as many you know you don't have to but you should be catering for as large an audience as possible because the whole point is to gross box office sales again we're talking on this podcast about making an independent feature film you know for a couple million that grosses far more than that and gets a decent distribution you know getting to that sundance point getting to that Toronto point. You know, that's what we're talking about. If that's the film you want to make, then I think you have to be incredibly careful about how cryptic you are with your messaging. And I think he yes. he really walked the line on this one. I think some of the fanfare from behind where he comes from, um, you know, helped on this one. And there was a buzz that went like crazy about this. It reminded right. me of the, the buzz behind Mother. But it's very mm. similar to the buzz behind Mother because people went to see Mother on the on the you know, this visionary discussion that it was a great film. And the problem with Mother was that some people left that film wanting their money back. It was that mm. bad. I imagine people walked out of Hereditary the same way and were like, this, I could, I could this was that. not the film. I have no idea what just happened in this film. And no. it didn't make any sense. And I, I want my money back because it wasn't scary at all. And like, I think you got to stick with it. I think that's, that's what I would tell anyone who is, uh, you know, on the fence halfway through this film and they're like, God, I don't know if I want to keep watching this um, because it, it's worth it. Yeah, top tips for watching for my end because I've seen it four times. You have it, you know, this is either going to be on DVD or streaming for you. Pause it, okay? Pause when she mm. reads things. Mm. They're long. I, it's, yes. it's one of my biggest complaints because he, he solves that problem in Midsummer because he uses pictures to tell you stories yes. as opposed to words because, you know, the opening obituary, I, you yes. you have to be a speed reader if you could get yes. through all that. <laughs> yes. So, I yes. Uh, you know, the last three times I've watched it, I pause, read the bit and then keep That's it going. That's so funny. And yeah. then the That's so funny because I did that a couple of times in the film. I paused yes, it right. to so read the, what was The next screen. time you'll do it, when she reads the letter from her mother, you need to read that yes. letter because yeah. it tells you yeah. what's going to happen in the film. And if you don't read that, a lot of things get really confusing. Yeah. You need to pause it when you see the words on the wall because it's telling you what's coming. It's just if you don't right. read them, then right. you won't right, right. know. So this is all I mean. And don't get me wrong. I love the games. Like, I love the little mind games. That's up my alley film way all the way. Like, mm -hmm. like Ari Aster, you're awesome. You know, however, <laughs> I think... A normal cinema goer could be really put off by that. Be like, well, I think I, I I think the thing that I enjoyed about watching Hereditary after I watched Midsummer is that I can see the filmmaker honing his skills. I can see him kind of sharpening his tools. I think that's and, very true. Yeah, you know. I mean, and, and it, that is something to tell you, okay? Because the other thing I was thinking about making sure that we made clear to our indie filmmaking listeners and everybody else, by the way, you don't have to be an indie filmmaker to listen to us. But, you know, notice that Hereditary, the one where we feel, and I, Ed and I are in agreement on this one, it's what I was trying to get to, are in agreement that it's kind of the lesser of the two films. Hmm. Okay, so I'm going to read this straight to you. It cost, let's see here, production, it cost how many million to make here? Sorry, I had it right in front of me two seconds ago. Oh, production budget of $10 million. It grossed yeah. $44.1 in the United States, $34.1 million gross, you know, like profit. And then a further 36.2 worldwide. I mean, this film made a ton of money for A24. I've got to be honest, I, it surprises me. I, 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 I would have thought 
that uh, Midsummer would make more money uh, than this one. M maybe, maybe there was one thing that I I wondered, just you know, from an American point of view. Do you feel that this is quite a quintessentially American story? No, no, I don't think so at all, to be honest, because of the, the religious aspects of it. I think you're dealing with a country that, that has stronger ties to the religion, so it'll sing louder with an American audience who, you know, I'm not going to make comments about that, but I grew up in the Midwest no, no, where... Ha have, heaven and hell, that kind you know, of thing. You know, it's it's just like in the a, States, yeah, yeah. They, they take it more seriously, and I think, then, you know, the first time I went to Spain, right, and you go and they got all these really old churches, so you think everybody's really religious, and then you go to church and there's all of, like... I remember I was there with, like, an 85-year-old and another 85-year-old, and I was like, wow... Hey, this yeah. has changed. But actually, the best story, the best explanation, and we can build off this, but I'm going to read it straight from Wikipedia. So, in the United States and Canada, Hereditary was released alongside Ocean's 8 and Hotel Artemis. Both not so great. I mean, Ocean's 8 is a good film, but it had really bad press about it. Yeah. And Hotel yeah. Artemis is kind of the same thing, to be honest. That wasn't a bad film if you've seen it, but most people didn't see it. I couldn't even tell you who was exactly so and was originally projected to gross five to nine million in its opening weekend, similar to the buttes of previous A24 horror films, The Witch and It Comes at Night. God, A24, please, like, please, 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 <laughs> please, 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 please. Horror. I am your next big director. I'm telling they, you, they, they make they make a lot of. Uh, interesting stuff as well they do like drama yeah and, and yeah stuff like that yeah well. i just love these guys and that's 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 one thing that i've got to say i would be really really interested to see is to see ariasta step outside of the horror genre um just to see what he could do because i i think he's got it in him mm. to no i do i completely agree and i think you know if 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 i've got my druthers right and i'm not always right with this stuff but I, you know this is a lot of a lot of good directors get their starts with horror films right that could be yeah. this guy can can completely do the imagery he's doing in his horror films and put that on a more prolific level for like a high high level drama then yeah, he you know he could be a real contender. Well, it's like it's like you said, you know, like Midsummer's a breakup movie. This one is a family tragedy. It's yeah, a, it's a it's a melodrama in an, in a lot of moments. Um, so, but answering your question about why this did so well, it continues mm. that it was also the widest ever release for an A twenty four film with two thousand nine hundred and sixty four theaters, besting the two thousand five hundred and fifty three of It Comes at Night, which is the ironies. Um, vampire film, which is awesome, by the way. Right, right, After right. making five point two million on its first day, first day, including one point three million from Thursday night previews alone, weekend estimates were increased to twelve million. Wow! It went on to debut to thirteen point six million, finishing fourth at the box office behind Ocean's Eight, Solo, and Deadpool Two. Wow! I mean, that's huge. That opening weekend is kind of make or break for yeah and so, for, sorry for and just films. a tooth their horn and marking the best ever opening for an a24 title so mm. the, the point with this is this is the lesser of the two films but this is where print and advertising come into their own right marketing yeah. marketing marketing now at an independent level this is really mm. hard you can do it yourself mm. or you can go to a distributor who knows mm. infinitely more about this than you will mm. albeit if they do the print and advertising you're going to have a huge chunk of your gross taken out of that for their costs but do you go to distributors don't you like from everything that i've been taught so far you want to do both so there's nothing wrong with trying your own initial print and advertising to create a buzz you know create that website that that you know goes viral create that trailer that everybody wants to see the film you know this one's famous for showing a trailer in front of peter rabbit in australia and causing like almost a national no scare way. yeah yeah so this this you know it's just like in fight club where he does like the little oh, i always love that yeah. in fight club where he splices in penises into the little i think that's hilarious but this was like that happening like the kids sat down to watch peter rabbit the previews come on and then the trailer for hereditary came on and people freaked Jesus. the fuck out they were like what's going on oh that's hilarious so last bit before i let ed do a lot more talking because i'm i'm way too excited about this film and ed needs to kind of go into his 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 twos and froms let me just give you the background on ari aster this is his first feature yes please do he had two short films which gave him immense popularity um people just they were really weird i haven't watched them i've only read the stories about when they came out and how people reacted to them is he an NYU uh, Tisch graduate? He's an AFI graduate. So there you have okay. it. So okay. AFI is just like NYU. When you graduate from these places, if you were one of the better people in your class, then you are going to be an Ari Aster. 
He does two short films at, at the AFI, okay? And yeah. then he's picked up by A24 right off the back of that. Right. And they bankroll right. his first film on the basis of these two shorts. Let me tell you, first off, the reason I'm saying it to you like this, this is the dream story and it doesn't happen very often. So yeah, yeah. I would not suggest this as the route for everyone or anyone, really. Right. If you do have that kind of talent and you're young enough to go to film school, then awesome, dude. Like, go to NFTS. And, and if you've got, you got the money as well. Yeah, you Jesus know, Christ NFTS, these are the routes that you can do that. And you don't have to be a big budget film guy after going to these places. You can do what this guy did. Hit up A24, and now you've got a home where two of your bad, you know, two two feature films, both you know, profiting. You're on the eyes. Like it's completely possible to do. I guess the reason I bring it up is that people keep thinking there's one way to becoming an indie film producer, an indie filmmaker. It's bullshit. You know what I mean? Ed and I are living proof of that. And um, you know, it's as fast or as slow as you want it to be. That's kind of the thing. So that's all I'll say about that. Ari Aster had a lot of hype behind him, and that's why Hereditary hits so hard when it hits the box office. Mm. You know, maybe, and this isn't me shitting on Ari, this is just me trying to follow follow the money. What would, mm. in my view, what could have possibly happened? Because remember, Midsummer is shooting as Hereditary is premiering, right? Right, right, right. So I think people see Hereditary, and this is just my view, so it's not like I got any proof of this, um, except the numbers. You know, it's not proof. It just would, 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 would further this. I think people see Hereditary and it divides the audience, but people still go to see it. Mm. So... Again, like I went with my wife, it, the trailers made this look like horribly scary, right? And I think what people do then is go, and then when Midsummer comes out and Ari Aster's name is put right in front of it, they're like, oh, I remember his film. I don't think I could sit through another two hour of that. Or they're like, oh my God, I fucking loved Hereditary. I'm going to go see it right now. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I did notice that uh, there's this guy, Lars Knudsen, who was producer on Hereditary and also producer on um, Midsummer, mm. um, and I, and I just wonder if you know they they seem to work really well together, and uh, and you know they they started their their production company together, which is yeah it's it's well, very interesting. Yeah, I mean Lars has done Lars is part of Parts and Labor, so the other stuff that they've done mm. that's famous is like they were part behind the Witch. That's right. Yeah. Um, they also did American Honey. If you've seen that, the the I haven't. I've heard really good. Yeah, things about it's it, it's the way to see Sheila. It's about his life. So you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. But I um. So one of the things that kind of surprised me because I literally knew nothing about Hereditary before I kind of started watching it, and I was super surprised by uh, seeing Tony Collette and uh, Gabriel Byrne in this guy's first film. I mean. That's a get, man. Mm. You know, Tony Collette, I think, as an actress, God, she's she's got to be one of the top, like, you know, actresses that can do emotion and and kind of, you know, that like, just extreme level of of, of melodrama, believably. And uh, what other you know, what other stuff do you remember her from? Because she's one of I, I do love her, but I think she's completely underrated. So what what other stuff? She's completely underrated. Yeah, I mean, I first remember her from Muriel's Wedding. That's which is like an Australian yeah, comedy. Yeah, that was that was like my one of my first indie films I ever watched, and um, she's yeah. the she's the lead in that, and I couldn't believe how good she yeah. was in that. She's fantastic, and uh, then she was the mother in uh, The Sixth Sense. Yeah, which uh, you know, again, perfect, right? Uh, for it, uh, I remember her like kind of really realizing what an incredible actress she was when I saw the United States of Tara. Ooh, I haven't seen that. Uh, it's a it's a TV series. It ran for like um, three years, I think, and uh, it's where I first saw uh, Brie Larson as well. Okay. Um, but yeah, they 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 were both really good. She plays someone with like multiple personalities, and it's one of those roles which is really good for an actor to kind of chew scenery you know um and uh yeah she's she's fantastic and like everything she's been in she always kind of stands out i think so i mean she's she's an actress now you might laugh at this tony but it it, it looks like she has practiced in a mirror how to do the expressions on the face like she is so <laughs> well poised because she has one of those faces that does exaggerate the features not in yeah. not in an ugly way at all tony i think you're beautiful but She's gorgeous, but you know what I mean. Like it, 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 she has when she shows abject terror, um, because yeah. I was thinking of the two connections between this and Midsummer are the crying. Like Ari yeah. Aster is like 
he wants that like snot bubble like i'm not yeah. holding back like i don't yeah. care who's listening crying he does it ugly crying ugly yeah. crying he's the master of ugly crying and just for yeah. you ari i've like i've said to myself i'm gonna put some ugly crying in one of my films just for you this, this is like a, an homage to you yeah. um but she can do that and she has the facial expression so well to kind of like like when mm. she's scared it looks scary to you because she has yeah. the long face for that so yeah, i just yeah. noticed that and it, as i said it's a, a funny thing because i guess that's how certain actors and actresses get more gigs because they mm. just play the parts well but you know yeah. in this one there's so many different things she had to do and uh, you know she's the linchpin of the film she's the first one on that they bring onto the cast and um yeah just amazing and equally i mean gabriel byrne i think plays it so well because he's so subtle yes um i will say my only complaint is that he felt a little underused but you're right his subtlety and his kind of husband trying to deal with this shit kind of vibe was 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 spot on completely agree though i think the problem with his character is it's more can we get a story with this but this is why you have to be careful about plot devices like he is an anchor right so he represents mm. the like in the story it doesn't work if if you know from the get-go that the mother is not lying that not the not not tony's character but her mother is not lying mm. about bringing back paimon you know you don't really know what this is all about, but they, they start hinting at this from the very get-go. And the way that Ari Aster in the story keeps you guessing is by actually making it quite boring at times and other times putting like Ga Gabriel Byrne's character in there, Steve, to make make her look really crazy. Especially like yeah. that moment when you're dealing, when, when she's like sitting talking to the group and she says, you know, so what if I accidentally tried to set my whole family on fire? All of a sudden you're oh, like, dude. what the fuck? Like yeah, you did yeah, what, yeah, yeah. you know? And yeah, then later yeah. they replay that scene yeah, as like a dream. Yeah. And it's like, now you're starting on the path of, oh no, she's just batshit crazy. Like yeah, this yeah, isn't, yeah. this isn't anything. Like she's mm. just out of her fucking mind. And uh, yeah. uh, you know, to, as I said, we're past spoilers. So the, the, the best part is that it re takes you, it takes you back into the whole Pyman backstory and everything again. It, mm. it ramps. Interesting. Would you mind explaining that a little bit? Because I know nothing about. Uh, okay, so Pyman. so the the full you want you want like the full plot for like what's happening no, in, in Hereditary. Just give me give me a like a, at a, least as far as know, this, who's who's as far as Pyman's like a one of the kings of hell of one of the hells is that uh, that's what they said at the end. Yes. So he's a demon, and and, and okay. keep it simple. So basically, her mother wants to. Yeah summon this demon of mischief named Pyman. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. He needs a corporeal body. So when you summon things, yeah. I don't know how much you guys study the occult. Hopefully not too much. Me, I had those years when I did. So whatever. Um, but a lot of demons, when they have to be summoned from an occult perspective, have to have like a human vessel, right? A, a human whatever. Yeah. It's in every horror movie. So it's not like I'm telling you anything yeah. revelating here. So mm. she needs to give it a vessel and she has dedicated her family to providing mm. the vessels. That's where the name hereditary comes from because... This grandma makes a decision. Now mm. you hear this is why a second watch will help you out so much if you know what's if you finally know what's going on because you'll start connecting yeah. the dots. So you hear about the brother, right? Tony Collette's mm. so Annie's brother. Annie's brother yeah. is a schizophrenic and goes insane after his right. mother tries to put people in his head. People in his and head. And he kills himself, right? right? So yeah, the first, yeah, yeah, yeah. because it tells you that, yeah, that, that uh, Pyman um... prefers a, mer a male victim because it's going to be important later on. No, no yeah, keep yeah. going though, Ed. Um, that uh, that scene uh, with the with the grief group. Yeah, it just thing. it goes from like Holy it goes from like shit. okay to crazy to like yeah. you feel the people next to her like doing and I'm I'm kind of I'm doing the move away thing like you can yeah, literally yeah, feel yeah. them being like okay yeah, and then okay. being like I want to get a coffee. So so that's yeah. the first fuck up right is that she I don't really I can't remember if the dad plays into this now but definitely. The son, you know, dies because he doesn't want to be a part of this. And, and right, you know, the right. husband eats himself, supposedly. Who knows? Like, you know, starves mm. himself to death. Who knows? You know what I mean? Who? Oh, yeah, that's Who right, knows that's right, what right. really happened to him? Because her, you know, the grandma's thing is that her family is going to be showered in wealth by Timon, the, right. the demon of mischief, the king of mischief, you know, yeah, when yeah. he comes because he rewards his followers. And it's all in those books mm. that she's reading towards the end. I mean, this is all towards the end that she starts reading yeah, about yeah. this. So it all happens really quickly at the end, like it, the the explanation. And that's I mean? right, and that's because the actual progression of this has been so slow. So Pyman mm -hmm. is 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 Pyman is so she 
she tells you these bits and pieces. She avoids her mother when her son is born. Now, whether that's you know underlying or whether that's because she kind of knows something's going on with the family, oh, right. it's but, to yeah, keep yeah, yeah. the son from being imbued with Pyman. However, the mother is invited. The grandmother comes back in for the second person. Charlie, and yeah, Charlie, yeah. who, by the way, because we skipped over her, Mealy Shapiro, that's her first film, guys. She is in yeah. A Quiet Place. She's in a bunch of other stuff. And she's a phenomenal young actress. You really should I check out say, her stuff. I was, uh, I was, I was, surprise is not the right word. I was uh, impressed. Yeah, she, um, phenomenal actress. This was her very first role in this movie. So, but she is imbued then. She is Pyman. And part of the reason she's so awkward in the film is because you have a demon. And this is all coming from Ari Aster, by the way. So I'm not telling you anything that he hasn't said in the behind the scenes. But, mm -hmm. but it, basically Pyman's born first in a female body, which is not what he wants. He's like, oh man. But then he, he just like, he's not, again, you have to remember it's a demon being summoned. So what they're trying to point out to you is that Pyman doesn't necessarily want to be in the earth. He's not mm, necessarily happy mm. to be there. And so he, over a period of time, he becomes to absolutely loathe this 13-year-old child's body because it's mm. just not what he wants. Like, it's, it's mm. boring. He finds himself really awkward, and it's just not what he wants. So the second plan gets hatched, and Pyman, mm. supposedly, creates mischief so that Charlie will die. And then he can we talk can, can we talk about the death scene? Well, that's I I would say that's like the midway. It, it's not even the midway break. It's it's it's. I think you might be right. It might be right slap bang in the middle. It's of the, the hook. It's it's Ari yeah. trying to tell you. Trust me, it's worth it because yeah, 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 it's the yeah. only really gory scene within a mile yeah. each side. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's the only scene that you just that that head with the ants on it. Like, I think everybody in the theater like collectively threw up. It was like. Ooh, Oh my god yeah. but yeah. then you get nothing else for another hour you know what i mean so yeah. take it remember Ari's going to reward you for your goodness and then remember he's also going to make you wait for he it he does yeah he does a lot with not very much that's kind of the, the the feeling that i kept getting like he's he's very subtle it's all very slow and he doesn't like smack you over the head with anything but when it like climaxes it, there's no holding back. that's that's what i mean and i guess it's just a choice whether you want to make a film that way but for me the the rewards of going into this it's a bit like the witch the witch is a similar mm. movie where you have the opening scene of the child being stolen and then the the thought at least that it's just been pounded into blood because you have the witch kind of sitting there with it but then fuck all happens in that movie <laughs> plus yeah, plus plus happens. the difficult language yeah. You know what I mean? Until the very, very end of that yeah. film. Now, funny yeah. enough, I should tell you, because I was just reading this. So that guy, Lars, you were telling about that made The yeah. Witch, produced The Witch. He left that production company to form another one with Ari Aster in 2019. Yeah, square peg. Yeah. yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like, this is a definite genre, subgenre of filmmaking here. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. and uh, we've drank the Kool-Aid, but you don't have to if you don't want to. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I once again, I, I find myself saying this a lot on our podcast, but I don't consider myself a horror person, but these are just good films, man. And that's kind of the point, I think. And that's that's indie. So the difference between big blockbuster and this is that you can get away with, in an indie film, you can get away with this where you can't, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't release. You know, the only people that can get away with this on a bigger event are Blumhouse, and they're they're technically kind of still an independent studio within a bigger mm. studio. I mean, I don't really know how to describe that. But he definitely started as a, <laughs> you know, I'm making indie horror films and we're going to make some money off this. So l let me ask you a question because I, I felt like this was... Uh, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but it felt to me like had this film or this script been in someone else's hands... It would have made for a fairly run-of-the-mill horror film. Absolutely. Uh, you know, but because Ari Aster has this... Uh, I'm going to call it an eye. I don't know how better to describe it, well, we, but he we, seems to have an eye. Yeah, we talked about it last time. We, it's an attention to detail. Everything that works yeah. on Hereditary is because he has thought out every last detail. The story mm. in the background, once you figure it out, like once... Mm. you know, And it doesn't matter if you've read it and then watched it again. I'm telling you, go watch this again now that I've told you. This is how Pyman comes back. And that's what's happening at the end. I'll, so I'll, I'll be honest. I'm not sure if I'm going to rewatch it. So like, it. you know, the, uh, it was pretty, it was pretty tense. Yeah. So like the, the headless people at the end, the naked people, all of that. Okay. That yeah. is the resurrection of Pyman into the body of this boy and they're bringing him fully back. So he's trying to take over 
the boy, um, you know, uh, Peter's character, which is played by Alex, Alex Wolf. Wolf. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the, again, you'll read in that ending, it has to be weakened. And so the, he's mm. the easiest one to do it because mm. he's the weakest of the family. And that's kind of why you have the family drama. What you don't understand mm. Ari is doing, he's actually showing you who the natural choice has to be because they are the worst equipped to deal with tragedy. Tony Collette can't become Pyman because Pyman would never be able to occupy her mind. So Gabriel Burns' character, Steve, is is clearly not that affected by all this. That's, I think, part of your your gripe with it, and I agree, but I, I maybe it's the dad thing. Like, he's trying to be the strong, silent dad. Like, yeah. the idea yeah. is, like, if I'm not, if I start freaking out like my wife is, then the whole thing's going to fall to pieces. So I have to give my son stability because... It's a tragedy, and it's horrible that it happened, but we all have to move on. You know, and that's his mentality with it. Alex Wolf, by the way, who I'd only ever seen him in, like, the Jumanji movies, the updated Jumanji movies. So I was like, oh, this will be fun then. Wow, is this a whole different role yeah, for him? Man. Well, let's see what he's been in other than this. So, wow. Yeah, lots of, you sure he's in Jumanji? I don't see it on here. Um, Jumanji. There we go. Jumanji, welcome to the jungle. There we go. Yeah. There we go. You were right. And the next level. I'm just. He hasn't been in a lot. I'm reading the wrong direction. That's why I was reading up at the top, being like, "What is? Why has he not done anything recently?" Um, he was in Patriots Day. Uh, my big fat Greek yeah. Greek wedding too. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. the, a birder's yeah. guide to everything. Like, so this has clearly yeah. been a huge step up for him. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and, and he was good. He was good as well. Like, um. There was no moment where I where I didn't like what he was doing. Mm. The the whole cast is really really solid. He's got a good eye for uh, for casting. He does because you know I like that you brought that up because now I'm remembering some of the scenes and, and the the emotion that he displays, you know, the fear almost continuously. Mm. Like you know, my favorite scene for Alex Wolf and I, and I should have brought this up like because it was a really powerful performance. I love the aftermath of the head coming off. Only because the reason that freaks me out so much is like, I was that teenager, okay? Like, I didn't have a sister. Right, Thank right. fuck I didn't have a sister. But, you know, that I, any guy could have done that at a party. Like, any stoner, at yeah, least, yeah. you know? And yeah, God knows I had plenty yeah. of that when I was in high school. But, do you know what I mean? Like, that's just a dude chilling with his bros, yeah, and he's yeah. just trying to get rid of his little sister, and like... It's the, it's the realism bit, the capital R realism. It's a kid thing. Like, it's a teenager thing. You yeah. just don't think about what could happen. And so then, you mm. know, first thing you notice... Is that instead of calling 911, which is what he should have done, he's like, I'll just drive her home. And it's like, what are you yeah. doing? Like, no, call an ambulance. However, like, I can tell you from experience, I've been in that situation where I should have called 911. And instead, I was like, I'll do this instead. So, mm. you know, I get it. Like, and then the aftermath, though, when the kid's head, like, I don't think, he, I think he looks and he's like, oh, man. And then he's completely yeah, yeah. stoned out of his mind as well, probably sobering up quite a bit. But, you know, <laughs> all he does is take his foot off the brake foot on accelerator and then like slowly stumble into his bed and like that is oh my god that's that's almost perfect acting because that's what a teenager would do yeah. like he's he, he he does a he does a really really good you job. could and it's funny it's funny because like um again obviously i came in not really knowing anything about it but as soon as tony collect comes on screen you're like okay so this is clearly all about her but actually it it you realize over time that it by the end that it's not yeah you know yeah that and that's uh, it's, it's it's very very well the, done it's it's a much later in the game than in psycho mm. but it is kind of a psycho switch you follow yeah. her the whole way through and think well this is going to end up with her and then her ne she literally piano wires her neck off you know oh my on the God, ceiling that, that sound oh yeah yeah but that's what i told you in the theater that's when the guy started laughing hysterically and i was oh, like how are you laughing at this man you know what i mean like yeah so it kind of yeah, ruined no, it. that that last bit when she when she chases him up uh, into the into the attic and stuff. Don't worry, Next, she's slamming her head against the against the the the, the yeah. door. Brilliant, the, right? Absolutely brilliant. Well, Absolutely brilliant. Physical acting at its best, like yeah, completely yeah. terrifying, completely believable as well. And like yeah. that's that's why this film works. The capital R realism. If you buy into it, then you are there. Like you are you are all hog with this film. Yeah. And it's, 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 I guess the point we would make to indie filmmakers, because again, constantly trying to make points is he's had the ability to do this because he's gone indie, a big budget film. You just couldn't make these choices on like they wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to sell them because 
no one would believe it was going to grow. So producer from Universal or producer from, let's not say Universal, they're pretty good horror. But let's say a producer from Disney is just not going to be like, oh, well, yeah, that's fine. Let's do Piano Wire with her head or let's not have any big mm. deaths until the one girl and then the end and that'll be it. Right. You know, yeah, like exactly. there's a formula for these things and they know what brings people to the cinema and this is going to put them to sleep. So here, mm. Ari Aster's found that home, found that people, and maybe that's kind of what we all need to do is just find that group of support yeah, like I said, the guy, definitely. parts and labor, the guy worked with someone else at first. And now he's like, well, actually, I'd like to go in with Ari. So, you know, mm. kind of cool how that works. I mean, you know, I think I think that's 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 very good advice. Like, you know, just because you get a, a, what you think is a good opportunity doesn't mean it's the right opportunity. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Or that, you know, Ed and I aside, because we'll be friends. And, you know, if LVP never makes the long run, then fine, I guess. But. You know, we're not opposed to... I don't care if Ed wants to go and work with another team. Like, he does that sometimes because he's got to... You know, he's the filmmaker filmmaker. He's got to eat. eat. And he's got to... You know, he's got other people he works with on that. That's a good thing because then Ed will be able to bring back experiences from working with other people back to our production team. So, I mean, you know, it's just... It's essential. But Mm. a lot of people don't... But finding that good home, I think A24... Is just one of those. I mean, I, I I would love it if we became that kind of thing. I know, I know it's a very difficult. I know it's a very different uh, kind of kind of thing. But to to be that home for creativity and you know um, be able to have a little bit of latitude um, to allow visionary people to to create stories. Well, that, you know? And that's also wonderful because one of the. The difference between what Ed's talking about, what we were talking about before is, you know, I always give advice for how to make that film, right? That one film. But Ed and I run a company and this is actually something I've just been working on. Like, we don't have just one film we're going to come out with. Like, we'd like to be somewhere people go to to say, can you make this film? Or can we, when we have, a, you know, distributors are saying, hey man, what's next on your list? A24 has done that. They've had successful releases with a bunch of their stuff. And so because of that, now when A24 comes out with something, everybody pays attention and says... Ooh, well, what are they going to count with? And again, like you said, and the, the point I was trying to make is they have a signature, okay? Like mm. A24 films, they don't all look the same, okay? Mm. Not in the slightest. However, they all have a similar feel to them. Again, it's like Blumhouse. All Blumhouse films have a similar feel to me. You know, Universal has done very well to find him and kind of get him to milk out that Blumhouse feel. A24, right. you know you're getting something a bit artsy, probably a little mm. bit scary, um, and probably a bit indie you know what i mean but mm. you're not going into it It reminds me a little bit of um like miramax back in the day you know with robert rodriguez and uh quentin that's right now like that. now part of viacom i think is miramax disney isn't it no viacom's that's paramount the paramount bought is just recently bought miramax i think because miramax was owned uh the weinsteins yeah and then it got sold off to uh another company a much smaller company and i can't think of who they are now and now it's just been sold on again i think to viacom hmm yeah but you get you get those don't you you get those kind of small production companies that just kind of have a a rise and and yeah and they and that's the thing like one of the goals we could set for lvp and i'm debating whether we're gonna do is like 10 years time you want to sell to fox or i guess it'd be disney now or universal Hmm. Or one of the majors. You know what I mean? That, that's the mm. other thing you can do with an indie studio. And A24 may follow that route. I don't think they've been bought out by anybody else <coughs> yet. Um, I'd have to double check. I would. I, it wouldn't surprise me if Disney owned them. I mean, just because, you know, Disney owned everything. Well, no, I mean, that's that's not true. You know what I mean? There are there are the majors. and and I know, I'm joking. That's what I mean. Like, you know, and yes, Disney does buy a lot. I think the interesting thing about Disney, though, is people need to, like, examine what they purchase. Because they purchase franchises now. They want something they can like just make a million of something of and to go with the other mm. toys that they make they, they do have a strategy to it it does feel i know like they buy everything but um but you don't have to go that route the only other thing i was going to say is you look at a guy like liam regan who has had a long history of working with trauma trauma is one mm. of those long-standing independent film companies they always right. make their own films they refuse to be bought out by anybody else. Mm. And they've been... It's part of their identity. That's right. And they've been mildly successful. I wouldn't say, you know, people love trauma films if you love trauma films, but that's kind of the other route you can go. Like, you can either establish yourself as we only make these types of films and you'll love us for it and you'll have that steady fan base, or you, you sell out like Miramax did and, and, and make bigger films. But Yeah, um, baby. Yeah, baby. 
So, <laughs> so yeah. What other filmmaking tips, Ed? I always have to go for you for this because I don't see the shots like you do yet. Getting yeah. there. Um, but... I I think that uh, Ari Aster needs to be studied in uh, in in film school. To be quite honest, um, his frames are beautiful. Uh, there's one particular shot of when they're having dinner and it gets really awkward where the mother like starts arguing with her son and and she walks away and there's this shot and the family are at the table in the bottom right hand corner and everything else is like geometric shapes uh like in the frame yeah yeah and uh, I, I'll be honest, this was at a point where I was feeling a little bit like, oh, God, this is really melodramatic. I'm I'm not sure I'm, I'm getting into the story, but I could not stop looking at the, the, the frame. It was absolutely <laughs> beautiful. How, how much did uh, you love the fact that she's a miniaturist in this one and draws little oh, frames yeah, within a frame? Oh, my God. That fucking shot where it like goes into the room, the opening, yeah, and then it because yeah, and it becomes the room. Yeah. Come on, I man. knew you'd love that one. Come on, that was brilliant. That was absolutely brilliant. And you know, so there's 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 stuff to appreciate here, even if you don't really like, um, you know, the 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 story, or if for, for whatever reason you're not vibing with it. Uh, he's a very very skilled. A filmmaker, definitely. Yeah, I mean, he could have a career as a cinematographer if he wasn't, you know, a filmmaker. You know what I mean? He he definitely sees the shots that he needs. Um, and no no offense on the singer, but the singer cinematographer on this one was um, Pavel, oh man, Pogorelski. <laughs> Pogor's, I'm really yeah. sorry, pa- Pavel. I know that I know Pavel. I know that. Like I have a bunch of friends named Pavel. Pogorelski. Pogorelski. I mean, you're amazing, Very dude. Good. You're amazing with the camera. So yeah, it's very sorry I'm bad beautiful. at pronouncing your name. No, no, but it's interesting because often you find um, filmmakers tend to create a a partnership. Uh, You know, you look at um, Sam Mendes and, um, uh, God, my favorite uh, cinematographer of all time. Um, Deacons. Deacons. Thank you, Richard. I I watched his film... Or at least one of his best films. I watched Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I think it was Saturday night. Yeah, it was late Saturday night, and I God, I still love that film. Yeah, but uh, you know he he's partnered up um, with Sam Mendes and a bunch of other film directors. You've got um, you know Quaron, who only ever uses Chivo. Um, like the, it's it's quite often you find a cinematographer and a and a director working together on several. Kind of, uh, yeah, well, we see that with um, with Sash and Katie. You know, they they work together on everything, yeah. and that's you know, Sash kind of anytime Katie wants to film. I mean, we try to build the same relationship with you, Sash. So Sash has said if we have films, he'll come film for us. He's a very talented cinematographer, um, and, and and a really good guy to work with as well. But yeah, I mean, that comes down to again thinking about your department heads, and like I just think more thought should be given from your average indie producer and indie filmmaker to those kind of things because. You know, you're not making... There are people that can make... Like, Joe Beggs is notorious. He did, you know... It was, I think, another A24 film. Um, he did V. Uh, the Not not V. My um, junk. I'll find it right here because I'm on their webpage. What was the name of that film? That, it was the one about veterans. And now I can't think of the name. Maybe it, VFW? VFW, that's it. And maybe it wasn't... I'm not seeing it on their list. So maybe it's not a uh, A24 film. But... What's always said about this guy, because a lot of the filmmakers I know know him, and, and sadly enough, Joe, I'm really sorry we haven't had a, a chance to have a, a beer together. We did have a shot together. You had some Jim Beam with me at the beginning of your film because you gave everybody a shot, and I would love to sit and talk with you. But he's what they call like one of those, you know, the way Ian Rattray at Fright Fest described him to me is he's a doer. So he's one of those people that will jump into any role. Like if he doesn't mm. like the shot, he does the cinematography. If he doesn't like right. this. Now that's cool. Like that is also mm. something to be admired. However... And I'm not knocking you, Joe. I'm just trying to point out an example here. That is not normally how you're going to run things. You need to be able to depend on the other people on your team. So spend some time recruiting people you care about and keep working with them, even if it's just mm. on small stuff. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. That's uh, that's really good advice. When you find someone who you work well with, who is reliable, like, you know, hold on to them for dear life. Thanks. So. I mean, I'm probably not telling you guys anything you don't know already. It's just things we noticed. You know, the teams that work together in the indie film world that we see, 
are successful together. You know what I mean? They, they kind of bring each other up and that's the important thing I had to learn because I am a narcissist and a bit of a megalomaniac, you know, guy trying to make a film studio. So of course I'm a crazy man, but you don't do any of this. I, you know, if, if I'm successful, if in 10 years time I am able to sell off to, to Universal or I have that studio that's making money with Ed, like, you know, it wouldn't be either I or Ed. It would be everybody else who helped us, you know what I mean? Kind of get up there because, you know, we couldn't even put a film together without a bunch of other people. And so Very just true. always needs to be born in Teamwork. mind. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, you know, it's it's the typical thing. The actress gets the most attention and then the director gets a little bit of attention. Producer yeah. might get a bit of attention. And then you have mm. everybody else who doesn't get any attention mm. but still works really watch, hard at this. Watch credits. Watch any modern film's credits and see the army of people that are required to make a film. It's it's mind-boggling. So I guess last thing I'll talk about with Hereditary is what we liked about Midsummer better. So we've got about five minutes before it's an hour, and we want to wrap this up in about an hour so. What do you think he improves on on, on on Midsummer? For me, it was, like I said, the colors. Like, the colors are just so yeah. much better in the second film than the first film. And it's not just because they're outside. It's because they're brighter, they're, they're clearer, yeah. and they just don't seem as dusty. How about yourself, yeah. man? What did you like better about Midsummer? Um, I liked... I think he was less subtle in a good way um, with Midsummer. I mean, when, uh, you mean when he drops somebody off of a cliff and their head explodes in front of you? Well, there's that, but there's also like that opening shot, you know, where you told me, uh, you know, where he lays out the whole film in that, in that, yeah. in that tapestry, you know, I mean that it's, 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 su it's still subtle, right? He's still being subtle, which I appreciate personally, but he's also able to give the audience just enough throughout the whole film Throughout the whole film, you're you're engaged in what's happening, and you're not really thinking about what's coming, even though you kind of know that something bad is coming, right? Mm. With Hereditary, it feels like you're waiting for a long time uh, for things to happen, and I can see how a lot of people would have just got bored by that point mm -hmm. and have switched off. So I think he did that uh, much better in, in Midsummer than, than he did. Do you, do you think it's interesting, though, that because he does that, the climax in Midsummer feels less to me, at least, than, than the... Yes. It's not as, not as mind-blowing, because you're like, this is where we were going to end up. Like, you knew it, you yeah. just didn't want to admit it. You know what I mean? That's, that's a very, very fair point. But I think the trade-off is worth it. Yeah, to get people I more think engaged. A slightly, yeah, exactly. A slightly lessened, although you know, maybe not because uh, Hereditary did much better in the box office uh, uh, than the Midsummer did. No, and again, like if we have to guess, I would based on the research I've done, and this is just basic Google research, guys. So it's not like I know what I'm talking about, but it would seem that the print and advertising campaign for Hereditary just worked better than it did for mm. Midsummer. Um, it may be he also had he also had some names in in hereditary that's correct and he had no that's that is interesting isn't it because he didn't have i mean i guess was was um she was in uh danny's character or danny danny the character francis, uh, francis Pugh. Yeah, what else Pugh. she was in girls yeah. right she was in girls like i guess uh she was also in little women that recently came out okay. and was nominated for an oscar uh, but I think she did this, you know, Midsummer first. I, I think that whereas he relied on some really great uh, acting in Hereditary and actors, um, I think in in uh, in Midsummer he relied less on the names, and maybe that was you know one of the reasons why it didn't do as well. Yeah, yeah, no, it could be, could be. I mean, it, it's the kind of thing like. It just, you know, he's going to get a name. I'd love to see how the third film does. I th yes, I think, yes. in my view, it will fall. What, what, uh, what, what is next up for him? Do you know? Oh, I don't know. We got, we got Google open here, so let's find out, folks. They said, I've done the smart thing today of having one of my computer screens dedicated to looking up stuff about him. So what is he working on now? Breaking through with A24. He has said his next film will be a four-hour nightmare comedy. <laughs> I mean, cool. I, I, I will honestly watch anything he does. He's become one of those filmmakers. Films. Yeah, I don't... I don't. Uh, jo Jordan Peele's in that category. Yeah. I, was um, just, I was just telling Becky about all this, and she's starting to notice that like I, I spit names out about people I really adore. 
And one of them is Jordan Peele. One of them is Ari Aster. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of others right now. Those are the two that come out most frequently right now. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, you've got your Edgar Wrights. And, that's another one. You know. Yeah. I mean, there's, if I, you know, my, my bastion of directors that I'd like to, you know, this is what you start doing. You start thinking of who you want to try to kind of like th- emulate, emulate yeah. because that's what you have to do. Like people think yeah. that you're cribbing and it's like, I've trust me, I've now read thousands of books on film, like ridiculous amounts. I now play around with cameras all day. Like, this is how you make film. You've got to kind of have a, a point of reference. I was just, I was actually just talking about this in, in the context of the Odyssey with my wife, who's teaching that to her kids next year in school. And we were talking about the need to have frame of references when you're telling a story. Like you can't just, people think that it comes from the ether. It doesn't. We all have, yeah. uh, you know, the hero's journey, I guess, you know, is, is, is the point we're making there. So, but yeah, four hour nightmare comedy. I really hope you're joking because I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, you say that, but when Monty Python were asked what was next, um, they were like, uh, you know, Jesus Christ, uh, the road to whatever, you know. And look, and, 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 look, and they turned and around look, and made and look, Monty Python. I was about to say, look how long it told him to get that film made, man. They were so sick of talking about that film by the time it came out. You know what I mean? So no, Ari, whatever you come out with, man. If you need people on set, you want people yeah. to promote your film. We are, we are, we drank the Kool-Aid, man. We think you're cool. We think and you're really if good. If nothing else, we will be there to watch the film. That's right, man. Same, same reason, you know, I give love to the Soska, Soska sisters, which could be controversial to some people. I give love to, I love independent filmmakers that show me movies that are like, bam, like, this is what I've done. Like, I don't know why I like that, but maybe it's because that's the kind of film I'm going to make someday. But it just speaks to me when they have that kind of like, Ari, you have a signature style and you're not afraid. It's it's so apparent when you do these things that you have thought about every aspect of it and that you've spent the time. Like that comes across in droves to a filmmaker, and that's why your movies are so enjoyable. Same thing, like I said, for the Soska sisters, same thing for Jordan Peele. You know, even his comedy, you can tell he thought so much about how this is done, probably with a writing room, which is another thing we need. But you know, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, it just, you, these these directors aren't, what I think is cool for me is what I'm learning. Ah, Taika Waititi's the other one. That's the other director. Mm. And the reason that got brought up, Ed, is we, at, at our closing bit here, before I close this out, I have to announce that my wife has finally watched Jojo Rabbit. Oh, and? She loved it. Oh, see, that makes me happy. And, and that, that makes me super happy. Super happy, right? Like, and I told yeah. her all about, as we were watching, I was trying not to talk too much, because I can talk all the way through a film. <laughs> and I was trying to let her watch it and not say anything, but... Obviously, Taika Waititi, we, we have a podcast on this if you want to hear it. Taika Waititi plays Hitler. So I was like, that's that's like one of my favorite directors. He's Maori. He's so cool. He's like, and, and Becky got the got it. That like all of a sudden this was like a dude I wanted to emulate. And I told her, I was like, this film is so uplifting for times right now. She's like, it's Nazi Germany. I'm like, just watch it. I'm telling you. Yeah, like, yeah. and she'd seen what we do in Shadows and loved it. And I hadn't explained to yeah. her that like that's Taika's la- That's That's the other Taika yeah. film you loved. And she just, mm. she loved it. I mean, it's one of those beautiful films. And at the end, it was like, wow, that was really good. And I was like, oh, thanks. Like, I really appreciate you watching that with me. So, yeah. So I had that great moment last night. Nice Precursor one. to the anniversary. At any yeah, rate, folks, we are just past an hour. And I'm going to wrap this up now, if that's all right with Ed. Ed, any final thoughts? Or are you all good? No, I'm, I, like I said, like we've been saying, the, the exciting thing is to see what he comes up with next. Um, and, and we'll be there. I think so. To watch, if, if nothing else. That's right. If we're not watching Ex Machina, because that's what we're watching next. <laughs> <laughs> so remember, fo- we'll see. Yeah, remember, folks, to like, comment, subscribe, and share. It's really important, you know, if you can share this with your friends. There may be people out there like that. And, you know, we're just a humble podcast amongst the billions of other podcasts out there. And we do try to promote, but. The best promotion we have is through you. So please, if you enjoy it, get the word out. Tell people that you like us. Tell people what this is all about. Put it out as much as you can. Otherwise, you know, I got go I got the nicest uh, compliment about our podcast um, from someone. Ooh. Uh, they said that um, uh, since they've started listening to our podcast, um, they're able to kind of get some of the stuff that they couldn't before and this is like a not a filmmaker yeah uh so you know this person was saying that it was it was just great to kind of get a a different perspective you know on the films and stuff so but this is the thing with without wanting to take away from our our own revenue our own future revenues because we don't make any money now but our own future Mm. revenues like you know anybody and everybody can be a filmmaker and i think that's why for me that i wanted to create this podcast so you can just listen to me rant about how excited I am about everything in film, but 
This isn't brain surgery, guys. It just requires a lot of time and a lot of dedication. That's all it is. And it's a highly competitive market, so you are very likely to fail all the time. Now, if you can live with that, you get the choice to, to make your expression so other people can see it. For me, that was the be-all and end-all. We just had this weekend, my wife and I and my kid were laughing about that, that like how it took me so long to figure out that that's what I wanted to do. You know, no one can ever figure out because that is what I do on a daily basis, isn't it? Just fill everybody with my thoughts. Um, but yeah, I'm really happy to hear that it had somebody who got it from the filmmaker, you know, a non-filmmaker who got it. So, yeah, awesome. All right, well, I will start, stop yammering all your guys' ears off and, and flicking flies, which are flying into my window because it's so hot. We're going to melt it. It is so hot. What have you done to this me, England? I'm Latin. Is not You're Ecuadorian. We, we, you know, we should be used to this, man, but I just can't handle it anymore. I'm like, oh. I'm, 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 I'm not Ecuadorian. No, I'm, I'm, no, I'm sorry. I, 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 uh, Salvadorian. I'm Ecuadorian. Sorry. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I know. Either way, we should be able to handle this. You, you got my point, right? We're, just, we're, we're Latinos. This country's not designed for it. No, this is the problem. No. Like these houses, no air conditioning, no fans, no. We're just melting over here, people. Melting. Seriously. All right. So seriously. check us. Anyway. Check us out. All the different places: Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, everything else. I'm not going to list them all. You guys know what they are. But love you much. We will catch you next time for X Machina. And um, yeah, until then, folks. Peace. Believe it when I see it. Bye bye.